Hello and welcome to episode number 272 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty excited to be here this week. Yes, I can feel the, the excitement. big weeks keep coming, don't they? Yeah, it's lovely. Like, it, it has been weird that kind of the last six months has felt normal in the sense of film releases. <laughs> um, after a good year or so of just being this weird nebulous spot of like will it ever feel Mm. normal quote-unquote again in terms of film releases but it definitely has um we've consistently seen you know a lot of big movies at the cinema non-horror and horror um a lot of them have been fantastic we still have big releases um for the rest of the year you know as of recording we're in november um and we've still got multiple cinema horrors to look forward to um, which is almost unheard of, really. Uh, even in the good years of doing this podcast, usually you hit Halloween and then it's like, right. Yeah, I was just say, norm- <laughs> normally this is it. Like we we get we get our kind of couple of Halloween shows and then it's on demand until year end. Whereas, yeah. you know, we've we've got legit like big movies that mm. we're going to have to watch before year end. 100%. Yeah, ones that I'm genuinely excited for um, mm. just around the corner. So, yeah. But, of course, this week was about as big as it ever gets for us. You know, we've talked about it for so long last night in Soho. Obviously, since it first got announced, really, I would love to go back and find out when that was first featured in the news on yeah, this podcast of, like, you know, Edgar Wright is doing a horror movie. That was all I needed to know, um, let yeah. alone the cast. what we said and... at the time. We were just like, Edgar Wright's doing a horror movie. Hell yes. Like, there yes. isn't much more exciting news than that. No, there really isn't, especially for for doing this podcast. It's one of those dream things. I never thought we'd get to cover that. Um, so it's crazy, and we have no seen it at this point. And, yeah, we will get to it very shortly. Um, there's only a little bit of news this week, which is nice. Um, we'll also be talking about some TV as well because, yeah, there's a lot of TV that we've been watching over previous weeks My um, as well, TV. which is nice. Um, but, yeah, two very brief news stories here. first one being about um, A Quiet Place continues to feature in the news. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny how it almost kind of always happens like this, isn't it? Where Hellraiser was in the news for about four weeks in <laughs> yeah. a row. And it seems like A Quiet Place is the one that's been talked about a lot recently. Um, but this is a weird one. It, it's not too interesting. So basically, we know that A Quiet Place movie that is in development, which is a spin-off <clears throat> movie, um, it's not kind of part free. It's not focusing <clears throat> on the Abbott family. It's just set within that universe. And that kind of got quickly announced and dated um before part two hasn't it actually wasn't it because i remember we talked about it in the news i think yeah. last year um yeah it was during the midst of all the delays they, mm. they pretty much greenlit this and and you know it was all systems go quiet place yeah and so basically the well the news is that kind of the director attached to that has um fallen off the project um so jeff nichols who was scheduled to direct this movie is no longer on board on the project um which which was you know scheduled for release march 2023 um we still don't know whether or not that is still the case whether or not you know they'll just get a replacement director and that'll be fine but what's interesting about this the quote kind of from deadline is this isn't kind of like a big falling out or anything like that it's something different um 
So the quote is uh, from Deadline. Um, Sources add that the director is pivoting to focus on the untitled sci-fi project he is also developing at Paramount, which the studio is very high on. So (laughs) this isn't, you know, like what we've seen with um, Scott Derrickson and, and, you know, Doctor Strange and stuff like that, which, you know, happens all the time when directors just fall off projects for whatever reasons and then move to completely different projects at different companies. This is more like, no, Universal, like this other project that he had that he probably was going to do after this spin-off um but it seems like they're more interested in that and have gone ahead on that which is interesting um because you really don't see these big companies do anything like this before in terms of like no we actually want to trust you with this what seemingly is an original project i mean who knows an untitled sci-fi project could be literally anything um who knows what sort of ip yeah like who knows what ip paramount is sitting on um so yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I guess we don't do, do we add to really have too much to say about this one like not really. Like I don't know too much about the director, so I can't yeah. get hype that project. I mean, I, you know, hit, I'm interested to hear what it is. Um and likewise for the, for the Quiet Place spin-off, you know, we said before, I, I'm not as interesting as that world is, the the characters that I'm so invested in, it will just feel like a tease that, that if I'm getting something outside of it but again show me a trailer and i'm probably going to get excited because that world is pretty exciting yeah for me this is a case of i think in the future i could be interested in this but right now off the back of part two we Mm. said it at the time but like yeah i really liked part two it exceeded (laughs) my expectations for for you know i didn't think a quiet place should ever have a sequel um and in that sense they proved me wrong because i really enjoyed it but I do think that in hindsight, if we don't ever get a part three, there are certain aspects of part two which will be disappointing. Mm. Um, it's not disappointing right now, but I think if we get to five years from now and we don't have a part three to conclude that story, I will mm. consider parts of that, especially the ending, to be disappointing. Um, so for oh, yeah. me, I would rather they try and you know get the cast back hopefully get john krasinski back in in some capacity i know that he apparently has like an idea for where the movie should go even even you know whether or not he's actually in the director's chair for part three Mm. um but i personally would like to see that finish the trilogy hopefully on a high and then you can worry about stuff like this in the future um but yeah we shall see on that one um and then lastly, again, just another small update, really, about um, a movie that I am extremely excited for next year, um, which is The Northman, of course, kind of Robert Eggers' third film. Um, I put this in the news. So basically, it got a slight delay, like a two-week delay, which is, you know, nothing to worry about. But I didn't realize how how quickly this film is, like, right around the corner. I know. Um, because, yeah, it got bumped from April 8th to April 22nd. Um, and I feel like obviously with this year and all of the release date madness of the last 18 months, I really haven't been focusing on release dates, certainly not for next year. And I no. think the only one that I really know is obviously Scream because it's like yeah. right at the start of the year. And then everything else, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll get yeah. to Jordan Peele's next movie. We'll get to Robert Eggers' next movie. But, yeah, this is like in April. Like, I can't believe how close that is. And I'm very, it's very crazy. excited. I think it's just that we've had this kind of hype for so many movies you know that we've said it a few times but i think kind of this you know the edgar wright you know now seeing soho it's kind of those movies that we've had this long hype for is Mm. over and i think we have been scared of or at least i know i've been scared of kind of i don't want to get too hyped about northman or or um or jordan's movie or whatever because i'm thinking 
is there delays again? What's going to mm. happen again? Like, will I ever see James Bond? And now I know <laughs> that, like, oh, yeah, I've seen Bond. Like, I, you know, I've seen these horror movies that have been delayed. I can now get excited for stuff that is in January. And, you know, and I'm starting to get excited for the next year movies. And it's just trying to not have that three-year anticipation like we've had for some of these movies. Yeah, it's correct to have that. You know, it's that release date PTSD that we've mm. experienced over the last year and a half of like, yeah, you, you, you know, like we keep saying, Quiet Place Part Two. When you're less than a week away from a movie, and then it gets a over <laughs> yeah, year so delay, bad. it's like it's hard to even fathom that as a fan who is yeah. really excited for these things like we are. And yeah, I don't ever want to experience anything like that again. It was awful. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, when we see April, we can get excited for April. Um, mm. Fingers crossed on that one. Um, and then, yeah, two things I just wanted to throw in here before we move on to the movie, kind of more specifically targeted our UK audience, because we don't really talk a lot about kind of the specifics of, of when and how you can watch certain films or TV shows. I think it's it's a conversation that frustrates me more than anything. Um, mm. We like to focus on the films and the TV and not let the kind of distribution bullshit um, get in the way. And also we have a, an international audience as well. So it's kind of, you know... I never want to focus on one region. Um, but in terms of four UK people, just a couple of things to keep your eyes peeled for. One was a real nice one that I noticed in the past week, actually. Um, the Night House, um, which we obviously saw at the cinema not that long ago, really, um, is already on Disney Plus in the UK. Um, so, Very you know, nice. a lot of people probably wouldn't look on that service for horror films. You know, it's certainly the least offering in terms of the major streamers. But like if you already have kids and you probably have Disney Plus um, and you're into your horror, it's worth checking out because um, we did very much enjoy that film um, and then also Chucky obviously which we've been talking about a lot recently mm -hmm. um, and, and unfortunately it's one of those shows that you have to jump through the various hoops to watch via you know uh, America um, and basically it is coming to the UK and it and apparently Sky have kind, kind of acquired the distribution for it um, and apparently it's coming this year. Um, it seems like it's going to start airing in December is what I'm hearing. Um, I don't know specifically what Sky Channel at this time, um, mm. but I will kind of keep you guys updated because this is a weird one because Chucky has obviously a huge fan base in the UK. Um, yeah. You know, they've had world premieres of films over here. And um, I've seen a lot of people, especially Don kind of talking about it, have always like, yeah, we, you know, we want our UK fans to watch this and enjoy this. And, and like I was saying at the start of this kind of don't ever want to focus on distribution i want to focus on these creators and these brilliant artists and unfortunately distribution will always be out of their hands and it sucks but yeah people will get to see this hopefully this year and and as we've been discussing we'll probably talk about episode three later on uh, this episode but like it's definitely worth checking mm. out for the chucky fans isn't it definitely. definitely um but yeah just a little update there shall we talk about this week's film let's not delay any longer no let's talk about last night in soho So, yeah, I mean, where to begin with this delight of a film? Let's begin with uh, the man behind the film, Edgar Wright. Mm. I mean, I think because I think he's a name that ha hasn't massively come up in the podcast over the years, no. but it's like a, a name that is synonymous with movies that we love and we've been kind of with him from the start and, and you know, pretty much, um, you know, loving um 
you know, most things he's done, you know, uh, you know, starting with kind of Shaun of the Dead for us, kind of, you know, I mean, you you never, did you watch Spaced? I know, I know I didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've rewatched it recently okay. as well. Did you, yeah, so I didn't really watch Spaced. So did you like Spaced? I like Spaced now, but yeah, I didn't watch it prior to Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Oh, it was, yeah. it was very much getting to it afterwards. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I do like it though. Yeah, like Shaun of the Dead is, you know, it comes up at times on the the podcast, but it it really is like this perfect movie that just has the the, the big thing about I think Shaun of the Dead as opposed to movies that I may even like more is that it has infinite rewatchability. Mm. Um, I can stick that movie on at any point in the movie at any time and and be happy and kind of those are very elite movies that I can do that with. And Shaun of the Dead is one of them. Um, I think Hot Fuzz is another. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, like like those two movies are, are incredibly special. And I think kind of, um, you know, when we kind of um, saw those two from, from him and obviously the 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 guys in front of the camera as well i think kind of you know i i was aligned to all three of their projects uh going forwards uh for various different reasons and then kind of you know over the years as we've seen kind of edgar do a lot of other things but him kind of talk about horror and his kind of connection with fright fest and his love of cinema horror his love of um you know visiting the cinema he visits kind of cinemas in london all the time um there was the prince charles recently didn't have the shawn mm. of the dead kind of screen in that he just yeah. walked up to which is incredible and like kind of seeing his love of the genre and kind of you know when we got that announcement it was kind of this dream project that i hadn't even dreamed of yeah you know i mean i'd never really thought in my mind oh what if edgar wright did like a horror movie mm. like it, it you know i mean it, it never really was something you know like when jordan and An- jordan peele announces a movie i'm like it better be a goddamn horror movie but yeah with edgar i'm not I, I never was that and and yeah like um the second this movie gets announced i get incredibly excited and then obviously as the cast kind of drops i kind of get more and more excited because you know horror fans you know and and people that have seen her work you know i love anya taylor joy i love matt smith in things as well i never Mm. trust the fucker in things but i like him (laughs) (laughs) i've learned i've learned over the years but do you know what i mean like and you look at you you know you looked at the cast and 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 started to get more and more excited for this movie um so yeah i think think just to go back to edgar for a moment like he i think for people i mean he he couldn't have started his career at a better time for me because that was right when i was a teenager and i was really getting into film um and really loving film and wanting to study and learn about the history of film was kind of perfectly in line with when edgar wright started and i remember yeah watching Shaun of the dead on dvd that we had and then us going to see hot fuzz at the cinema was the first like cinema experience of edgar wright's for me and it was just incredible and i knew that i was going to be a fan for life uh, Mm. based upon those first two projects and i was always curious what his kind of reception is worldwide because in recent years Mm. he's obviously become way more of a name and and done parts of franchises and obviously baby driver was commercially his most successful movie Mm. but like i always wondered what um american audiences and and other audiences outside of the uk felt about those kind of early comedies because they are so british um 
Yeah, such an amazing way. Like, I expect Hot Fuzz is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Um, and I think because of the fact that it is, you know, set in this quaint little British village, which is so close to kind of my own upbringing and just like the the whimsical of the ridiculousness of mm. of the you know the joke about how you know there's more guns in the countryside and who has the guns farmers and their mothers just all these weird little yeah. things and, and constantly going to well, the little corner shop and constantly going to the pub as, as well yeah, you sense, know, yeah. I, think, I think the thing that a lot of british movies try to do it to kind of make them more commercial worldwide is to eliminate the accents mm. because i feel like at times we're almost scared because um what the hell was that like london uh, attack the block or what was it was it called attack yeah attack the, the block? block yeah, yeah. like I, I know a lot of people internationally like that movie but a lot of people was like oh we like this movie but we don't have a clue what the hell they were saying <laughs> yeah and it's like i like that edgar wright like wears that on his sleeve and he even plays on the accents only someone living in england will understand the 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 jokes about mm. the accents and like where where people are from and stuff and i think that is is also part of it you've got like the farmer that needs the very um where are they are they where are they um in the world in hot in um hot fuzz i can't it's remember like, it's like cornwall area cornwall, i was gonna say cornwall yeah. yeah so like you've got the the um it's the west country old police guy that's really cornwall and he yeah. has to go to translate <laughs> the farmer like it's brilliant yeah it's just amazing and i think i i've always loved that about edgar and obviously he has become different and obviously you then get these big films like a scott pilgrim and then obviously baby driver that is this very super stylish you know mm. it looks like an american hollywood blockbuster you know especially with this kind of big a-list primarily american cast as well and i think for you know which i really like baby driver for what it is um but i think for him to kind of now set his next movie in london specifically in soho specifically and also a vast majority of it in the 60s specifically um i think is amazing because like you say these are things that he's talked about loving for years and so you know he can talk all he wants about going to these cinemas in london but then he makes a movie about like american gangsters and being a getaway driver yeah. and, and there's something about that that feels a little bit removed even though like you say i think it's a great film um and then yeah like the accents like you say you know the our lead tom um ellie has a thick accent yeah. um and i do think that that is quite surprising and even i mean they all do kind of like matt smith has like the more cockney accent um but yeah, yeah it is he, Edgar Wright is one of those people that I think when I think of my favorite British people in film, I don't know if there's many that can eclipse what Edgar Wright has achieved already in his career for me. He really is right up there at the top of like, man, like I love directors from all around the world. And I think most of the time it will always skewer towards Americans. But yeah, certainly yeah. he's one of the better British ones, I think. Um, yeah, well, it's one of them when you look at the pot out there there's just that you know there's way more and then and then you get akin to them but when mm. when there is someone that's british and you can get behind you know it's um you know when we see british movies when we see kind of great british actors when we see you know great british directors it's going to get us excited because it's fun when when they are kind of you know our, our side of the pond and it is you know um edgar wright is someone that's really done a you know like you say fantastic job leading up to to this little movie Yes. And then, like you say, it comes to this movie where it gets announced. We see that trailer, that amazing, glorious trailer, um, as I've talked about time and time again. And, and this year has been an interesting one for trailers um, because we've discussed kind of stuff like 
old i think had a very bad trailer um and ended up being a very good enjoyable movie that i really really liked um you get a trailer like malignant that wasn't a bad trailer but it was clear that they were fighting with well we need to hide what this movie is because we don't want to give away all of our tricks and so you basically get a trailer that is not remotely um representative of the final movie which ultimately worked wonders for us because we loved the movie and obviously that's way more important than the trailer at the end of the day um and of course we're always going to see a james one movie regardless of you know didn't even need to have a trailer um and then you get a trailer like this that is so special um because i do love these mood piece trailers i talk about it a lot i don't want to see extended scenes um of dialogue i don't want to see quick cuts that show you like real end game stuff um you know yeah. with dialogue is I think there's only one line in the initial trailer from Ellie right at the end talking about like, do you believe in ghosts or something? Um, and obviously the rest of the trailer is just the the downtown song, which is just gorgeous. Um, but yeah, yeah, couldn't have been more excited for this film going in. Definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess um, to give a to give a kind of brief synopsis about what this movie is about. Mm. Um, so um it's not too bad for spoilers as well because you basically see a lot of it in that first trailer which is good you do you get a gist for what it is and it's, mm. it's it's basically that yeah ellie is our lead character she is um this um aspiring kind of fashion designer and she's kind of um got kind of managed to get out of her small hometown and and get this um uh scholarship to kind of join the the university of fashion in in london and so she kind of goes and she's a bit of kind of um you know uh out of her element and kind of very different to the girls on her course and she kind of um starts off in the dorms and really dislikes it so finds herself this little um uh flat in this kind of very old townhouse in the middle of soho and um we we kind of we learn from the opening scene that Ellie has kind of this gift where she can kind of see the spiritual world and kind of um, see past events and get a feel for things and you know she's quite spiritually akin I guess and mm. kind of basically the room that she's staying in every night when she goes to sleep she gets kind of transported into the 1960s and she is encountering a kind of a wannabe singer. Um, and this is where we're introduced to Sandy, uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And um, and we kind of see her through Ellie's eyes in these kind of really fantastically done, uh, I guess you call them dream sequences, but mm. they're really not dream sequences. They're very extended scenes of the movie, um, whereby Ellie is kind of sometimes in Sandy's body. Or she's sometimes watching from afar, or she'll be in the mirror, you know. Mm. And so the the mirror image of of Sandy is Ellie, or sometimes Ellie will just be watching Sandy, and it's it's done incredibly beautifully. That and kind of um, always different and always fresh and unique. And um, yeah, basically, Sandy is aspiring to be a singer, and she comes across uh, Matt Smith's character Jack, who is this kind of wannabe booking agent that that's um you know trying to get her gigs and and they start to develop a relationship mm. and um from from that kind of ellie starts to 
obsess over Sandy and and kind of plow her kind of obsession of Sandy into her fashion work and kind of into her real life and is slowly kind of becoming her really um, in the way she looks and, and her confidence and everything. And then she starts to see kind of flashbacks of Sandy where things aren't as good as they were and things start to take a downward spiral for Sandy. And that then starts to drastically affect Ellie in her everyday life. Mm. Um, and I guess, I guess that's where I'll leave it. I think, I think that pretty much sets things up. It doesn't, I think it's, it's interesting really because, um, what I've discussed, there's not, not crazy horror. Mm. And, and also I think when you go into this movie, the movie is an 18. Yeah. Um, but for an hour and 20 or at least an hour. Yeah. It's, it's really just Ellie doing what I've said, you know, exploring the world and exploring kind of, um, her, uh, you know, dream, dream world with, with Sandy and her, 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 school life and, and kind of getting the grips with that and if, if you'd have told me that and you'd have told me that right you're going to see a movie about a fashion student that dreams about a ghost in the 60s that wants <laughs> to be a singer like f- for over an hour and there's going to be zero horror in it i'd be like oh boy mm. here we go but like going like going into this movie like um i was enamored from the opening scene we get kind of this great opening scene of ellie and this kind of dress that she's made herself from from uh, newspaper clippings and, and a great soundtrack. I mean, straight off the bat, we, we spoke before going into the cinema about Edgar Wright is known for having good songs in his movies. Mm. You know, it started with Hot Fuzz and it's only continued. You know, Baby Driver is a crazy soundtrack. Um, this movie soundtrack is incredible. Absolutely incredible from start to finish. It made me fall in love with this genre of music that I would never usually listen to. There, there are songs that I know from it, don't get me wrong, but like... Just the entire soundtrack of this movie is beautiful. And I was instantly just in the world. I think Ellie is an incredibly likable character, incredibly fragile, and, and you you just root for her. I know I did, like, throughout this entire movie. I, I absolutely loved her. And um, and then, obviously, when we get introduced to Anya's character, um, I've been a fan of her for, for ages. And then this, this movie is basically, you know the the realization of what what she she can be as an actress and kind of as is this kind of you know much more of a leading role and much more you know um you know extrovert as a character as as opposed mm. to what she she has been in other movies and i thought she was stunning and amazing in this as well and i think kind of those two leads um just carried all that i described there and i i was just you know in it and and just kind of i think it happens so so rarely when we see movies and i think it was i can't even i was gonna say um us but i don't even know whether it was us that i did that with but i remember saying on the podcast before where we're kind of 10 15 minutes in i kind of just got comfortable in my chair Mm. and and was just like oh yeah I'm I'm I've got someone at the reins that I don't need to worry about. Like this is going to be enjoyable for me, and um, you know, watching something like Malignant, for example, that I thoroughly loved. I I, I never did that. I was always kind of getting more and more excited as the movie went on and the more it unpacked, and it definitely gave me more of that thrill ride. Whereas this was just like, oh no, like I I just want to chill. Like this this is great. Like just give it to me. And I mm. think like 
it's such a such a rare experience to have that and it was great and i was very aware that i was in that moment as well and and then yeah as the movie kind of you know i've got into my thoughts on it now like as as the movie um continued and we got the horror stuff and everything i i just thought it was absolutely fantastic like i i was I was in love with this movie from from start to finish. Um, I don't like when we when we go into critiquing it. I don't even know what critiques I would have almost because you know it, it just did delivered on on a level almost everywhere. And I think um, it was so beautiful and so well made. And I think, like I say, that with the soundtrack was was already close to perfection. And then with our two leads. Um, and then, and also Matt Smith kind of being mm. the third kind of major character, all three were exceptional and kind of, well, I would say there's um, four exceptional acting performances in this movie. True, true. Um, and, and, you know, when you, when you kind of get that level of, of acting with director, with, with the way the movie looks, with the fact that it has the budget to have this sort of soundtrack, it's, it's incredibly rare and, and it's just, and it was just an absolute pleasure um and and it's it it's one of those as well where i've seen like a lot of good movies recently you know we've we've seen some real bangers at the cinema i had a real good time this year but i could not stop thinking about this movie for the mm. coming days and it wasn't the horror and it wasn't you know it wasn't even the story it was just the way the movie made me feel while i was watching it and the movie made me feel great while i was watching it yeah. And that's like a very different experience to most kind of horror movies we watch and most kind of, um, you know, reviews we give on a podcast. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I just think it was a really different special experience for me, which, which, you know, we were, we were hyped for and, and hype always carries concern. And this movie not only lived up to the hype, it, it definitely exceeded it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what we were saying last week going into this, where I said, like, my expectations could not be higher. Um, and if somehow this movie doesn't deliver, well, I'm just not going to turn up next week. Um, and, yeah, I'm here right now because this movie somehow exceeded all of those expectations and then some. Um, and I completely yeah. echo all of your sentiment on this movie in terms of just how it just filled me with such great joy and warmth watching it. Um, and yeah, I didn't want to leave the cinema because I was on such a high. And then that really did continue for like multiple days um, where I was just like, man, last night in Soho, God, that was so good. And I just couldn't stop thinking about so many different parts of the movie. Um, and I cannot wait to watch it again already um, where it's just kind of it over delivers on so many parts. I mean, like you say, when it first starts and we're kind of introduced to this character and it's so great. And I think they 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 spend a good a lot of time before we even get to the first kind of 60s dream sequence, um, you yeah. know, good like 25 minutes. And I think that's so purposeful from Edgar. And it's such a good decision because before we get to the madness of any of the horror, any of the 60s stuff, any of these other characters, I've already completely invested in who Ellie is as a character and, and her journey and just really want her to succeed. And he does that through so many interesting methods. I think there's some decent humor um, in the first 20 minutes, kind of these back and forth with these like other awful fashion students, um, yeah. which I thought was great um, because again, you, you know, you like you say on paper, you know, fashion is one of those things that can turn me off very quickly when it's like treated seriously. Um, and I think Edgar treated it 
it the way it should be treated with you know in terms of like you can totally see ellie's passion and love for it which i fully respect even though it's not something that i am particularly into but then you see kind of the other aspect of the fashion world portrayed in these other young student characters Mm. um the kind of level of narcissism and ego and just overall kind of awfulness and i think that's such a great juxtaposition with ellie's character like right off the bat the second she goes to london you're already like oh it's basically you know her versus everyone um and there are these small little rays of of sunshine that kind of are given to us which i do appreciate because it isn't just all doom and gloom on ellie even though it is a very sad story like overall when you look at it from kind of start to finish this is a pretty sad somber story um the story of ellie um which again i appreciate like we've talked about time and time again that like a lot of movies wouldn't do that they would have a more you know like especially the 60s stuff like that stuff is really just dark tonally um and is real like kind of awful when you really think about it and it's so kind of like true as well um and it just really makes you think about a lot of the things that we do kind of um glamorize in our heads and kind of like oh yeah remember that era wasn't that so great and you don't really think about these other aspects of it which we all know were there um but i think that it's kind of like you don't think about it compared to the great stuff um but yeah i was just so invested in alien and once we get to that first transition you know i've seen it half a dozen times in the trailer but the second it it happened i still got chills in the cinema like yeah. seeing it on the big screen, the way it was intended, the way Edgar Wright always wanted you to experience this movie um, with the soundtrack, seeing that gorgeous cinema with the, with the James Bond movie, her crossing the street and just knowing that, wow, they actually did this in London and they made this perfect recreation of the 60s. Like I think the the whole setting and location of this movie I just love so much mm. because – um as someone who's been to london more than you know any other city other than the one i live near um and really do like london but it's it's a place that has become more and more difficult to love even in my lifetime over the last sort of 15 years of going there just mainly because of the financial aspect of london like it's a disgustingly um expensive city to enjoy um and i think it's one of the main reasons why you just don't see london used in films um you know even when we talk about filmed on site you know on set in soho yeah like it's weird that you think you you watch it and you go oh yeah this reminds me of like american werewolf in london and like Mm. a handful of other movies that are super old and obviously there are certain movies but like the fact that this is primarily set in london and you can really see all these landmarks and it feels like a real lived in place this isn't some set recreation this isn't well actually we filmed this in bournemouth and and, you know made it look like london i think something like the level of authenticity that goes into a project like this is worth the time and the effort and the money that it takes to get a production like this made um because you get a final product like this that is so true to what the movie is about like this movie is about london it's about soho it's about the swing in 60s and it just it felt so authentic to me and yeah the first the second you get to that that flashback it was like oh my god and i just wanted that to go on forever like seeing kind of anya and her approaching you know matt smith's character and all of that first stuff it was just like god this is so awesome like i want this to be the movie now even though i love ellie and her journey i now love all this stuff and then it does you know it's like this movie is weird pacing wise because it's kind of like it's very slow for a while and then it has a really busy quick middle um where like a a lot is thrown at you um into like i would 
if you didn't know anything about this movie i wonder if it might be a bit too much at times because it's like okay now you're introduced to ellie now you're introduced with this this history of the 60s and now you're introduced to how ellie is trying to affect this um and how this is playing out in front of her and how it obviously becomes like a nightmare very quickly like you see in the first trailer um Mm. and but yeah like once it turned i felt anxious for the characters because i was so invested in them um and yeah it was just a thrill ride really where you know you said it's perfection and like that is the word i would use and it's a word that i don't think i would use for any other movie this year um because i do think that movies like this are so rare the and it's funny that we had the conversation last week kind of on the back of our slashes conversation Mm. where we were saying about how i don't think we as the overall horror film loving community have like truly appreciated the last five years in terms Mm. of the level of movie that's being made right now compared to any other time in the history of horror and it's i I didn't say it prior to this movie knowing that you know because we knew that this was hopefully going to be good but like this is the perfect example to put the cherry on the top of that conversation of like this is a 40 plus million dollar budget it is an amazing director who is who could basically make anything you know coming off the back of baby driver and the success of that you've got some of the best talent in the world on the screen where you know someone like anya who could again literally pick any project in the world right now off the back of her last couple of films and tv shows but they all decided to make a horror film um and that is like mind-blowing to me and like i say he's not the only one because we we're we're it's the gift that keeps on giving that we have a handful you know multiple of these level of directors but we it's never been like this before i i get the nostalgia is a powerful tool and i'm not trying to say that but like we've never had it consistently this great before have we definitely not and i think obviously like the jordans and the ariastas like are incredibly special and we've 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 had Maybe not to their level, but we've had people like that that are in the genre and stay in the genre. But mm. when we have people like James Wan that directed two of the highest grossing movies of all time mm. and then goes back and does an original horror IP, <laughs> Edgar Wright, that's like one of, like you say, he can put his name on anything and, and he'll get it, he'll get it greenlit and he makes this. Like, those two in recent months are absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, the fact that these guys are coming back to horror because they love it and, and they choose to. I'm mm. not I'm not saying that Jordan and Harry, you know <clears throat> No, I know what you're saying. Are, are the the box is different, yeah. Those them, other two are bigger. Yeah, like it's just that those two coming back is even crazier. And the fact um, that they say, yeah, I want to come back time. and make original horror. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like they are, oh, it's a massive production company and they've managed to snag one of these big horror IPs. And they're like, you know, you can make the next big, we're going to make Friday the 13th as high grossing as it, you know. It's like, no, we're just letting you have the reins. You you guys are coming up with these original stories and screenplays with other great, you know, writing partners a lot of the time. And then, yeah, we're giving you a budget that lets you pull off this movie because, yeah, those movies in particular, like Malignant and Last Night in Soho, these aren't small films. You can't make these movies without these insane budgets, especially this one because of the stuff that I just mentioned about the location. You can't film a movie that's 90% shot in London, a lot of the time exterior London. That's just going to cost you a goddamn fortune. Um, yeah, you can't and do yeah. That for a couple of mil no and so you aren't getting you know like we we love and respect like the bloomhouse model and it's it's mind-blowing that jordan's able to pull off what he does on like a smaller budget but like yeah these are the movies that ultimately need that but yeah, yeah but this movie sometimes when we look at movies and we say like oh that movie had a 60 million budget we're like what mm. like 
I can see where this movie's budget was spent, and it was spent oh, yeah. very well. You yeah, got this is a tight budget that was well spent. <laughs> an incredible soundtrack. You got you know the incredible location. It's like you you nailed that budget. Yeah, and also this needs a lot of visual effects because it's very like you say with the dream sequence stuff, mm. and and this is already a movie that I cannot wait to watch. Like I want the most in depth making of documentaries possible because I think the the way he combines visual effects and practical stuff at times for a lot of the camera tricks you know like we say we you see it in the trailer but, but even in that first 1960s memory um dream sequence you know the fact that they are going back and forth between anya and thomason at times and and that's another thing that you mentioned that i love is the I love that they didn't just be like, right, how are we going to portray this? And then we're going to stick to that for the entire film because it's a dream. Like dreams don't make sense. There doesn't need to be set rules for dreams yeah. ever because, yeah, like one minute I'm in the gorgeous gown, go, you know, going down the stairs. Next minute I'm in the mirror. Next minute I'm watching from the bar. At other times I'm not even physically in the scene. I'm just watching it, you know, in in the ether, as it were, like the watcher. Like it's it's fine because it's a dream that doesn't it doesn't need to make sense. It needs to just look fantastic fantastic um and my god does this look fantastic like you say it's funny talking about dune recently and how kind of like i had a lot of frustrations with the movie but the way it was so stunning to look at kind of carried it for me and i still thought i enjoyed it but this just shows you that when you make a movie that is stunning and it has a really fascinating intriguing story that left me super satisfied by how it ended and you have these amazing characters, not just great actors. Again, like we said with Dune, loved the cast and they were doing a great job. But I couldn't really tell you what those characters were. Um, whereas this had like four characters who are really well-rounded. Um, you know, we haven't even really talked about kind of Diana Rigg, who's like the the woman that she re rents the house from. Um, yeah. But she is such an amazing sport supporting role throughout this entire film. She's always like the groundedness that I think Ellie needs. And like I was saying at the start, you need those moments. It can't just all be shit piled onto your main yeah. character. You need those little moments of respite where she can talk to someone and kind of reminisce reminisce to someone. Especially, I mean, it's just so so well written because like you need that character who who has lived the thing that she's now experiencing for the first time. Um, well, and it was such an incredible like. Um... <clears throat> choice with Di um diana rig because obviously mm. um you know she's she's been around for so long she was you know she she was literally you know in in movies back then and so mm. kind of you know having having someone in that role that that has experienced it in real life um just kind of adds adds kind of authenticity and i think kind of um you know, her as Mrs. Collins was fantastic and it was such a great choice. Um, and I think kind of, um, you know, she, she's not over the top in it. It is no. subtle, but just when you, you know, when you kind of, when she does talk and when you do see, you know, when, when kind of, um, uh, uh, Ellie kind of quizzes her about kind of, you know what what was it like back then you know you've you've lived here your whole life like what was it like you could just see in her eyes that like she has actually experienced it and like mm -hmm. you know the good the bad and the ugly and i think kind of like that that was really great um, i don't think you could have cast these four roles any better i i like, think all four are perfect and i think definitely with her 
Diana Rigg is a British icon. Um, and I think it is so sad that she yeah. unfortunately passed away last year um, because she didn't, she, she hasn't unfortunately lived to see the reception that her performance is getting in this film. Mm. And I think this is a film that has three incredible leads who are in it more than her. But I think when she's seen last night in Soho, I think she's going to be the one that people are going to be like, oh my God, Diana Rigg was so goddamn awesome mm. in this film. Like Edgar Wright has been talking her up uh, a lot recently as he should um and obviously it starts with four diana on the screen as well mm. um but yeah she she's just so unbelievable and like you say it's it's great it was like this almost amazing passing of the torch moment um yeah. because she is this british icon who has you know as much experience as anyone in the history of acting and then you have these people that like you say thomas and mckenzie prior to old earlier this year i'd never really seen or heard of her before and yeah. and now suddenly she's been in two of my favorite films of the year obviously you know anya we're a lot more accustomed to especially the horror crowd i think the greater yeah. the greater universe is kind of yeah, aware of her now on, because yeah. of like the, the netflix show and other stuff but like obviously her work in horror has been incredible as one of the upcomers and then like say matt smith's one of those dudes who's just he he's really underrated and he mm-hmm. is one of those people that i'm he's always so underutilized as well. yes a hundred percent like you say like he's been in a lot of stuff where i'm like man if this movie he's one of those actors that we always say he deserved better um mm-hmm. and so i'm really glad that he's in a movie that is That's like this <laughs> this honestly there's so many like i think matt smith is in a lot of stuff i don't like but i'm always yeah. like man i really liked matt smith in that shame the movie wasn't good or the tv show or whatever i know um, it has got to the point with matt smith where i am almost like oh, I like Matt Smith, but he's always in dog shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether I can keep doing it. And then, like, I'm so glad now he's in something where he is as amazing as always and the movie is amazing. Yeah, like, I know he was in The Crown, which is really popular, and it's just, like, I've, that's never interested no, me, but I'm, I'm happy that he's in that and he, lo- he seems to be great in it. And obviously, that's an extremely popular show. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, he's his kind of, like, genre work, especially in movies, has just been all over the shop and, and very some poor choices along the way uh, so like yeah i'm just glad that he's now in a movie that deserves him to be in it he's great in it as well um and yeah like like for me you, you know you talked about trying to find critiques if yeah. i'm being like extremely critical the only thing about this movie that i don't think is like the highest level the absolute 10 out of 10 elite is some of the horror i i think it's really 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 great horror and i think it's 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 enough for me to love this movie as a horror film for sure Mm. um but i have we've seen better we've seen marginally better this year just specifically on the horror Mm. um i do think consistently overall we haven't seen a movie this good in terms of like you say if you look at the overall package the overall craft of the movie that we sat down and watched for two hours you know writing directing acting story cinematography soundtrack score everything location it's this is elite this is as good as it gets um but yeah this is is one when i know when we get to like year-end discussions and stuff and i start to try to knock points off things because i love everything it it is you know that is going to be the one thing where it is like it is, is marginal you know, though do, it's do very I marginal love, do i do i love this movie as a horror movie or do i love it as everything else you know and mm. it, it, you know and it is the other stuff more I, I i almost i almost wanted to talk about but i don't you know it starts to get spoilery and i don't want to go that far and it doesn't really matter but i i found it weird after the credits had rolled and i thought about it a bit that, that it actually he went for the 18 banner 
yeah um in the uk specifically being a uk guy because i feel like it could have it weren't a million of miles away from being a 15 no it's like, incredibly um, close we've seen yeah i mean we've yeah. talked a lot about how certificates make no sense this year mm. in particular and how like certain movies like this has to be i mean this will be just rated r in america and so it's like yeah. well rated r is fine in the u.s whereas yeah this oh, could yeah, be, they threw the dot one day and it either landed on 15 or 18 and that day in the bbfc office it just landed this, on 18 this being a right you know i'm like well he clearly um yeah, it's gonna it's gonna more, hurt the box office yeah cares more about it but decided to keep it you know the way he wanted because i don't yeah. think he would have to done much to get it to a 15 um no. But I think, you know, you, you touched upon a few things there, which I think really um, <clears throat> is why this movie works on such a high level. I think I think Ellie being such a strong character, because I think this movie, like you say, is quite dark and quite downbeat. I never really felt dark and downbeat because no. she's always really happy in the little world she's created for herself. And I'm really happy that she's happy in the world she's in. Mm. You know, she, she's always um, sitting there listening to her music. She kind of has a real bad experience living in the dorm. So she finds herself this crappy room and she loves it. And like just everything about her is kind of bottled happiness. And she is such this beacon of kind of, you know, I just want her to to be okay and be happy that I think you really root for her. Um, and I think um like like you were saying that we get so much time with ellie we've seen the trailer for the 60s world and how awesome that looks um when you've got these two parallel worlds and we do have these dream sequences backwards and forwards it's it's not it's not the same but it's almost like when we talk about vhs and when we say well we don't really care about the wraparound we're just in it for the segments you know when when you have these two different bits it'd be like oh do we really care about ellie or do we just Mm. want her to fall asleep and go into the 60s (laughs) world but no both stories are as equally as enjoyable especially with Um, the more established actors being in the 60s portion correct yeah and and so um you know i think the fact that both stories are equally as exciting is great i think when we do go into the 60s world as well i think kind of what you see in the trailer uh, you know shows how beautiful and amazing it looks and how it really does glorify kind of the 60s world and and how it was and how you know like how people dressed and the clubs and everything but as this movie really unpacks it really does go deep dark places Mm. as to what that world was like and and how it can make you a star or it can chew you up and spit you out Mm. and and i and and how that plays out is literally a roll of a dice you know, it, you're, you you can have everything, but it just depends on where you go. And I, and I think kind of, I really love that dark portrayal of that world because, you know, in recent years, we've seen very publicly what that world was like. And I think, you know, if this movie had have just unabashedly showed the 60s as this amazing, beautiful place, I think it wouldn't have been truthful to what we now know. And I think it did a real good job of that, but still not making it seem you know we don't need to see that that level but but at least have it there and and you know have that have that conversation about it which i think it does i completely um, agree and i think that's really well that's the best part about the horror about this like i think the 
it's hard to not get into specifics, but there's a certain aspect of the horror, which, like I said, I don't think is as elite as everything else. But in terms of, like, tone, it is elite, for sure. Because, yeah, the way they portray London, both in the 60s and modern day, I think is incredible. Because, yeah, you see it in the trailer and you do think, like, okay, is this going to be you know similar to something like once upon a time in hollywood mm. which you know the purpose of that movie is a love letter to 60s hollywood he's not trying to tell a kind of the entire story you know as it were he's he's showing you a very specific aspect on purpose and it's also very wish fulfilling where they're literally changing one of the most awful things that happened at that period and making it a positive um and mm. it's very much like yeah 60s hollywood is the best thing in the world obviously we all know that's not the case but that's not the vision that he's trying to portray in that film Whereas I think what's fascinating here is that he is showing you that, like you say, I love that they show Sid Black early on in this film. Yeah is like a perfect example like you say if she's the one who it just it, everything worked brilliantly and and she what and she her dreams came true but then we also see like you say the 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 millions of people the the nameless faces who came yeah. and went in london want to be the next to the black exactly and that is a story <laughs> worth telling and it's a story worth telling in a horror film um mm-hmm. which is incredible and one of the other things i loved in the modern day which is just another small little moment but was great was between um ellie and um miss collins where she's like wait did someone die in my room and she's like yeah of course well he's like oh yeah someone's died in this room everyone's died in every room in london and yeah i love uh, how she played that down yeah because uh, yeah it was fantastic as well you know for later on stuff but i think it's it's so true how like especially when you you know because this does have an element of a ghost story even though it's very far removed from the traditional ghost stories but there is something you see in films where they're like wait did someone die here and you're like well think about it you're you're in london like the odds of someone not dying in that room is like way lower you know than someone actually has dying at some point and so i just i love that as a response because it's like you know we always think about ghosts and that but it's like if they did exist and you could see them you, you know you wouldn't be able to see anything else because it would just be filled with millions and millions of ghosts in yeah. every single room of every place in london so yeah yeah it was it's just another be like hogwarts where the, no. old, the odd ghost goes past <laughs> no exactly in the painting so yeah it was just another again there is there is millions of those and i don't want to ruin any more but that's one of the many examples where edgar's edgar's writing is so sharp in those moments his dialogue is exceptional um and he like he is in so many ways i I know i just compared it as well but like he really is the british tarantino because when you think about these people who adore film and the way their face just completely lights up when they start talking about film and that giddy excitement and i love seeing that so much in film directors especially ones who have been doing it for many years you know there there are certain film directors who i going to mention but have massive fan bases and when you see them talk about movies they look like they want to kill themselves and that doesn't fill me with joy because as a fan i'm like them i get excited talking about these things and so i love seeing that when when i see edgar wright you know john landis is a perfect example as well mm-hmm. like his face just lights up when you ask him about any movie um and yeah, i will always eli respect Roth. that it's why, it's why the yes. horror community loved eli so much when he when 100%. he first came out like you know he, he was just so fucking passionate about it i think i think the quentin tarantino is a really good comparison though because edgar has has made such a good kind of career out of his original ip in very different wheelhouses i know he has kind of attached to, to some ip as opposed to tarantino but like 
you know, Baby Driver versus Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz versus, you know, Last Night in Soho. They're all so different, but they're all so incredibly made. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think kind of it just shows that he has a love of film, yeah. full stop, as opposed to maybe like an Eli Roth that does talk so much about horror, which I love. But like, you know, you can tell that Edgar loves all of film. You know, I, I don't think Edgar will be making another horror movie again straight mm. away. Like, you know, he'll make whatever the hell he feels like making. And I'm sure it'll be great because, he you know, he loves film. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think I think, you know, that's that's kind of like Tarantino. Everyone want you know, everyone wanted Tarantino to make the same thing over and over. And he mm. kept doing different until people realized, oh, no, we just want a Tarantino movie. Like if we're Tarantino fans. Yeah, there's um, few people that hit that level, isn't there? Where you mm. can't you can't put them in your own designated box because mm. as we keep talking time and time again, that's what genre is, is it's putting specific mm. movies in boxes. And I think these you you hit a certain level of auteur where your mind is just filled with so many different ideas that you probably don't even you know, when he first thought about making Last Night in Soho, he probably didn't even think he was making a horror film. Like you say, yeah. like he's just he's writing the story that means something to him. And then when you really look at it, it had to be a horror movie because of how dark and an overall just mm. awful this kind of world is but yeah it's this movie just fills me with joy i could talk about it forever man like i think one more thing i wanted to bring up as well because i don't think we've gone into it you, you went into it slightly mm. but the original first trailer yeah i think is a perfect um a compliment to this movie and it almost like like you were saying you almost should watch the trailer before you see the movie because yeah. it kind of just gets you geared up to watch the, to what this movie is about because the movie does sometimes lose itself in its own beautiful narrative that it forgets to kind of drive you where it needs to go in the opening, you know, 40 minutes or so. And I think for me, knowing clearly what Ellie's visions were and what they were going to probably lead to definitely really helped me. And and I think, you know, when I when I have now seen the movie and the fact that the trailer does kind of talk about kind of what happens at the hour mark, really, in the, mm. in the in the movie, I would normally be pissed off at a trailer for that. But I think it I think it really accompanies this movie well, because it's not spoilers. This movie has twists and turns. Um, it has moments that were pretty unexpected for me. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I loved and, and, you know, nothing was spoiled in the trailer in that respect. And I think I'm purely talking the first trailer as well. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think, um, you know, my experience first view in this movie was better for having watched that first trailer, which is, which is rare. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, like you just said, make sure it's the original trailer, which is kind of just Anya singing downtown mm -hmm. uh, because that, it, that came out, you know, at the start of the year. Because, yeah, there was a trailer that came out like a month ago, which I've seen now after seeing the movie. And yeah, it's way more of your traditional trailer of like, you know, it starts with Ellie on the train and it's kind of like, OK, this is showing a lot of scenes specifically, which, you know, it's up to you whether or not you think it's spoilery. But like, I'm glad I didn't watch it um, because the other trailer did its job perfectly. And yeah, like I, you know, we haven't talked massively about the story and where it goes for obvious reasons. But yeah, I didn't. This wasn't a movie that was like predictable to me, you know, where I was like, OK, yeah, I know where the 60 stuff's going to go. I know how Ellie's story is going to be resolved. And that's that. Like, I really... 
other than us seeing that weird or the, i guess the dream becoming a nightmare at the end of that original trailer i didn't yeah. know what the horror was going to be like and so to watch this movie and to see it unravel and it to be about so many interesting characters about just like the world of soho about the world of fashion meets kind of show business and the underbelly of that in london i just it's so well crafted man like you say i movies like this are rare i don't think we've ever been probably this positive on a movie but like this mm. really really deserves it um and i guess going into recommendations like you have to see this on the big screen that's the other aspect of it i, I was funny because i didn't mention it last week just as a quick aside but when we were talking about dune i was like oh i did want to mention how funny i thought it was that you can watch that at home yeah and i was just like and i wanted to say last week i don't do that like honestly i would get nothing out of watching dune at home for the first time seriously unless you have like the best setup and you can somehow stream in 4k (laughs) like i just don't know how you would i just don't don't recommend it and yeah with this movie i just don't do it like edgar has been talking you know this the reason why this got delayed so much he is one of the biggest proponents of cinema i've ever seen um again along with tarantino funny enough and it's a film made for the big screen you can't i know a lot of people can't always go out to the cinema and, and i'm hoping that when you can see it you will enjoy it regardless but it's a movie made for the cinema in every single way more so than any other horror movie i think we've ever seen for this podcast it's a it's a horror made for the cinema um so that's my recommendation of in terms of if you could only see one film at the cinema this year i'd this would be it for me and i think overall like this is probably my favorite movie of the year just movie i'd be surprised if i love a movie as much as this this year even though there's a couple that i really do love um in terms of horror movies that will be a slightly different conversation but obviously based upon this conversation i mean we we both adore this movie yeah, I think uh, for me, I would recommend you specifically watch it in the Prince Charles in London yeah, um, with to get the, best, <laughs> get the best experience you possibly can. But second to that, yeah, this is like like you were saying. I think if you um, if you're an avid cinema fan um, and and you know you love the cinema, you, you you know you can see a lot of films and you can see films that. Um, I don't even want to throw any film under the bus, but mm. you know, films that I liked. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, you know, like Nighthouse has just come out on demand pretty quickly. Yeah. Like you, you can get a good experience of that movie on a, on a home screen. I, I, I always prefer cinema. It's why we do cinema horror, mm. but you can get a pretty good experience of that movie on, on your home screen. But, but yeah, I think with this, with the soundtrack and the visuals and the way that when that sixties world hits you in the face, like, you deserve to be in a nice cinema to see that the and and i think as well i think if you've got a if you have a favorite cinema or a cinema that's a little bit more upmarket and you say for special occasions or you know a better place to sit or whatever like give yourself the most premium experience for this movie because it, it deserves it yeah for sure like i don't ever want to stop talking about this movie we're gonna have to for a little while but i'm sure it's gonna be mentioned for many years to come um because yeah movies like this are special they don't just come and go as one week like it's i'm gonna savor this i already am like when is that that 4k yeah when is it out man and what special features are there like i just i need to watch it again and yeah i really 
even though we've already got like the next three or four weeks booked for the cinema in terms of different movies i'm like <laughs> man i need i need to see this again at least once before it goes away from cinemas because it's special um but yeah that was our discussion on last night in soho uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back So, yeah, just to sort of uh, finish us off this week, a um, little bit of TV to talk about because it's been a little while. Um, TV, shall we, man. Shall we talk about that American horror story? Let's do it. I'm just going to right off the bat, though, before we go into it, like TV this year has been insane. Mm. Like, I feel like I have been like just watching nonstop horror TV. Like, <laughs> and I, I don't want to complain, but it's almost too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, we just there are multiple shows on it or any given moment. Like what we're not going to be talking about this week is day of the dead, mm. which is, which is airing right now. But there's just, there's just so much TV that you, we can't get through it or. Yeah. There's a, oh, there's a TV version crazy. of, I know what you did last summer. Is that right now? Yeah. And, <laughs> that's how, you know, and that's actually readily available in the UK on Amazon prime, which mm. is nice. Yeah. Um, you know, because some of this TV in particular is, is a nightmare to, to, to have in the uk yeah um, it's worth when, noting obviously you know, things like shudder give us creep show mm. you know day and date is great and then the fact that yeah amazon has put all of i know what he did last summer out there is really good yeah um so obviously yeah this season 10 of american horror story is currently airing on disney plus mm. obviously they were about two months behind and then they kind of started they did all of american horror stories which you shouldn't watch um and mm. then i think they're at two episodes into the season um so yeah obviously whereas we've now seen all 10 um mm. and obviously we already discussed the first six which was kind of part one um so yeah now part two death valley which is again only mm -hmm. four episodes um obviously spoiler free for now i guess what, what what did you make of part two because it's a very very different to part one in many different ways yeah i i didn't i didn't really vibe with it that much i think when it first started i i was kind of into it a bit but then as as it went on i felt like we kind of the, the the this season i mean you know it's four episodes mm. but it kind of felt like it really should have been one episode <laughs> yeah. maybe two because you kind of got the setup and i was like okay it's kind of a cool setup and then we kind of had two and a half episodes of that setup just slowly panning out the way i thought it would pan out and then we had a conclusion of that setup mm. and 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 yeah i i, I just I didn't I didn't really like it. I felt like uh, a lot of the characters that I like, you know, the, a lot of the actors that I like were underutilized. I think kind of um you know, having a short season and and I think as well having um I think probably the 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 first half of this season does a detriment to the second half because I enjoyed the first half so much. I enjoyed, you know, the additions of Macaulay Culkin and that sort of thing so much mm -hmm. and like I would have preferred to have four more episodes of that story stretched out because I love that world of the vampires and, <laughs> and everything else. And, um, you know, I, I would have preferred that as opposed to, to kind of getting this because yeah, it, it, it didn't, it didn't really hit for me. I don't, I don't want to sound too negative on it because I think I have been quite negative, but it, it you know, 
it was it ultimately i think it was a disappointment for me yeah it I, it was a weird one i i did quite enjoy it I liked the the stuff set in the past way more than the stuff set in the present. Like the yeah. stuff set in the present would just dragged so much, and I feel like the only way that would have been good is if it had a really super satisfying ending. And I thought the ending of the modern day stuff sucked; just didn't have an ending. And so I was like, "Oh man, we just spent so much time with these characters that was just not worth it." And like you said, the fact that this was only four episodes, but it still felt like it like it dragged. I feel like this is just such a consistent problem now with the last few seasons of American Horror Story, where you know it started with eighty four for me really badly, where I was like it went on for three episodes too long, and then you get to this where they're like they've tried to counteract that problem by having yeah. two completely separate stories. We wondered whether they would kind of tie into each other anyway, and, and to my knowledge, they don't. They're just completely separate. Yeah. And I think, yeah, part one was probably one or two episodes too long. And then part two was probably one or two episodes too long. I I joked and said that I would like more of part one. Like, Mm. I I don't feel that way in terms of, you know, (laughs) what we got from there because it certainly did drag. But but it's just that I enjoyed that world and characters a lot more. But, yeah, even that as a a chapter in American Horror Story that I liked, uh, yeah, it still outstayed its welcome. And they, they really you know, they're going to struggle to to find what the sweet spot is now because they've got, you know, th- this was this has been such a weird, you know, few months for American Horror Story, I think, mm. because American Horror Stories was this absolute lie of a TV show, mm. <laughs> first and foremost. But also, you know, it, it wasn't stories. It was, what, what do we get, three episodes of the same story in the end? Yeah of the six something like that yeah maybe there was seven i tried to block out my mind let's let's say there was six there was only one episode that was worth watching so we now have a six-part american horror story a four-part a three-part uh (laughs) and then and then three one parts Mm. like we just had in the last few months so i'm just like what is american horror story going forward so you know it's very strange and i think um that format does feel like just throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I feel like doing the double feature literally after American Horror Stories has aired um, is very jarring, you know, very jarring. If, if this if this double feature had come out on its own, I would have I would have been way more like, oh, this is fresh. Like they're taking a new approach. They're kind of doing these shorter things. That's quite cool. And and I would have given it so much more credit. But American Horror Stories models it so much because, you know, that was this completely failed experiment that did a lot of the things that then Double Feature has done as well. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it is strange. It is a weird one kind of coming out of this now because, you know, I've loved American Horror Story for so long. And I am this is I am getting worried at this point where I feel like I am pretty close to to my walking dead moment like i'm not there right now but i'm looking at the overall i'm not including stories whatsoever but i'm looking at kind of like the 10 seasons now that we've had of american horror story and for me apocalypse season eight is the only season in the last five 
that I would put on par with the first five seasons. Um, I think like Roanoke is the worst by far. I think Colt is the second next worst. Then I'd put this in 1984 around the bottom as well. Um, before we then get into the top half of the list. So I'm like, man, there's only been one season in the last five years that is on par with the first five seasons. Then that's just my own preference. So I'm like, man, there's that. And again, I don't hate, I didn't hate 1984. I didn't hate Colt. I certainly didn't hate Double Feature, but they are worse for me, um, considerably. Yeah. It's uh, one of them when, I think, like, in the moment when I was watching something like Hotel, mm. I was like, oh, this is good, but, you know, we get American Horror Story all the time. Yeah. And, like, I'm just like, oh, man, mm. we had Lady Gaga in American Horror Story. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, Hotel I, wish great. I, was, I wish I'd have, uh, you know, realized I was in the moment way more than I was at the time. Well, because at the time we just had like Murder House and Asylum and Freak Show, you know, which I which I still think are better than Hotel. But I would say Hotel is probably my fourth favorite. You know, it's. Well, I think Hotel is the one that was the most underrated for me. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, that I just kind of like it happened, and then and now years gone by, I'm like Jesus Christ, that was good. So yeah, it is weird. Like I know I'm not saying that this is like the death of it by any means, but like yeah. as a as a long term fan who's been there since day one for the last ten years now, and again that's a hell of a run. Like let, let's mm. be honest, you know, even if it just ended now, um, I would still look yeah, back on this sad. with massive fondness. Mm. But it is going to continue, and I wonder at what point. Like if we get if next year is on par with this. I'm like, is that going to be enough for me? Or do I need it to be better? And like I say, I don't want to put down what Apocalypse was because I fucking loved Apocalypse. Um, and, and for me, it was a massive turnaround from, you look at Roanoke was dog shit. Colt was like good. Apocalypse was amazing. 1984 was okay. So I'm like, yeah, you know, it's difficult. It is, an, it is a difficult one. Um, I think as well, like you say, we've had 10 years of this. Mm-hmm. And I think um, if if it can continue to if it improves great if it stops now like if you then compare this to horror tv like where does this rank like do you know what i mean oh yeah like, it's definitely it up will, there but it won't stop though that's the show. that's the problem it yeah. will it will it will either it'll either get better or right. it'll get worse or it'll stay it's the got same more legs now than it's ever had so <laughs> mm. you know it's not stopping exactly so that's where us as the fans we then have to make that decision of are we okay with it just being this good which is still good and still enjoyable but for me clearly not as good as the highs of american horror story or do i just say you know what maybe there's other shows that i had my 10 years with it i'll take those memories and i'll move on i'm definitely not there but I would say that if next year is on par with most of the recent years, again, bar apocalypse, I would maybe have to have that decision. But yeah, it is, is an interesting one. Um, I'm scared because listeners of the show know that I can't give up. Yeah, I know you'll um, be watching it. I, I, can't, I can't have another Walking Dead, man. I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say that's why I, I have to be the one because I know you'll keep watching it regardless. Um, but uh, I think that, yeah, obviously, I mean, we can talk a little bit about Chucky. Like, we don't have to talk about it every week, but this week was a really good one. At least I thought. Yeah. I really liked I episode three. Cool. It, you know, might be my favorite. Definitely better than episode two. Um, it, it was. It was my favorite. Yeah, because episode two um, was very slow and set up a lot of stuff, yeah. and I think it was worthwhile because we got yeah. the great payoff in this. We got so much just consistently great Chucky in this episode, yeah. um, and and the finale was prime Chucky. It was so so yeah. good, wasn't it? And it it wasn't even at times like it was like a throwback of shit Chucky, and mm. what I mean by that is like 
him ragdolling with a human being. Oh, I love that so like, much, yeah. Yeah, when, when it's clearly just like a puppet, sh- like, stuck on their back and they're having to pretend it's wrestling <laughs> with him. And I fucking love it. Yeah, and, like, uh, he, he stabbed someone about 50 million times and it almost had no effect on them. Mm. Like, it just... It, and, like, I don't want to say that as a negative. It's a positive because it was just... It's the campy fun that what Chucky is. Like, he is... You know, he has continued the Freddy torch, mm. in my opinion, of this horror icon that that um, is this cheesy version of everything else that's out there. Mm. You know, he, he has a catchphrase for everything. He's just going to laugh through the entire thing. And it's just so over the top and wacky. And it's why I love Freddy. And it's and it's why I love Chucky. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think this episode encapsulates that. I also think this episode, it really made me realize just what the show is, you know, yeah, which is going to be, it's, gonna it's going to be this original thing. And I think that the, <laughs> the, the hints and references to the kind of the continuation of the overall canon, like we've discussed are going to be small. You know, we kind of assumed that when they announced the initial cast, which was like all the fresh members, and then they were like, oh yeah, you know, Jennifer and Fiona will be there as well. And so I feel like. <laughs> They're going to come. We know they're going to come. So I'm not worried about that. But I do think it's going to be small. It's going to be in a way that there's going to be a lot of Chucky fans that aren't going to have a clue about the last recent movies. And so you can't just dedicate an entire show to that. Um, and I hope that this show is enough of a, a success. So then in, in future seasons, they can really extrapolate on it more. Because I think... They needed to just fundamentally see if Chucky could uh, transition to TV. And for me so mm. far, after three episodes, the answer is yes. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. And I really like the original characters, like we keep saying. So I don't massively miss the other characters because I'm like, you know, I really want to see how this relationship between Jake and Chucky is going to develop um, yeah. without going into spoilers. But kind of like what they were hinting at in this week's episode. And I really thought they were going to go with that. And then they haven't. And so I'm like, oh, OK, was that just a troll or are we going to get to that moment later on in the season? Um, yeah, yeah, I really like it. And I, I enjoyed the the backstory we had with Chucky as well. And mm. we got to see kind of more of that. It's the best backstory stuff we've had. And I just think like, like you say, it was just prime Chucky. Yeah, there's so much of Brad talking in this episode, and and it's all great. Mm. And so, so yeah, I think, I think, I think, um, you know, it, it's really kind of made the first two episodes better as yeah. well, because I think the first two episodes had those great Chucky moments that we spoke about. But I was a little unsure where the show's going, and I think this episode has really kind of firmly put 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 down in the ground what this you know see what this show's going to be about. Yeah, and I think like we said before, it is difficult watching it weekly because I am really excited to watch it and I enjoy it, but this isn't, you know, my preferred format. And so I think mm. if people are waiting, you're going to make the right call, I think, because even just these first three, I would have loved, I think you could easily sit down and watch these three back to back and it yeah, wouldn't be definitely. like a slog. I think you would have a great time with it. It would feel more like a I think a it's a better way movie. to watch it. This is the worst way to watch it weekly yeah definitely like i would i would like to store it up but just at this point i'm you know we're, we're too invested in chucky i think to, to yeah I, that's the thing is <laughs> i do think overall the story would be served purpose but mm. i am like i'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow you know when it yeah. airs i'm like oh yeah i get to watch it like it is i am genuinely looking forward to it each week mm. um but yeah, that's pretty much it for TV. There was one final thing I just wanted to quickly mention. I don't have too much to say about it, but I did watch a, uh, a film over the weekend for Halloween weekend, nice. um, which was a little bit of Hellraiser 2. Because nice. um, obviously we talked about Hellraiser a lot recently. And yeah, I, I really liked it. It's it's definitely not as good as I thought. Um, 
because you needed to be smashed and watching it with me. Well, that's the thing. Like <laughs> when we watched it together, it's a completely different experience than it's, just straight face watching it on your yeah. own. And I think yeah. a lot of this, the absurdity of it gets lost when you watch it on your own. And mm. I still lo- really like it. I love all like the stuff with Frank and Julia. I love the fact that like Julia gets her revenge and fucks over Frank this time. That's like Kirsty's great in it. Like Chinard is fantastic. All the Cenobite stuff. Like I really, I still really like it, but I'd said, you know, when we watched Hellraiser recently in the cinema, like maybe I like the sequel more and having now watched it, I'm like, no, I definitely don't like the sequel more. Like Hellraiser is better definitely than Hellraiser 2, but I still really like it and it was a great time and I'm definitely going to keep continuing. I'm looking forward to rewatching the third one. And then I, I, I am intrigued in watching some of these other ones, um, especially when we found <laughs> out on the podcast the other day that Scott Derrickson directed one of them. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? That's so... Cool. Obviously, I, I'm looking forward to you guys. I've got them all on DVD. Just let me know, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you know. Because, um, yeah, we I, obviously um, we covered one of them that was a goddamn mm-hmm. abomination not that long ago. But... We did. Was was nowhere near the worst either. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you got to say that now? <laughs> um, I, well, my, my little uh, Halloween movie this year was uh, a movie we've spoken about a couple of times on the podcast. Uh, mm. I, I went for Midsummer. Nice. Always a joy. Um, which definitely is a joy. And I think um, I think the only thing I would say about that is um, I spoke about like Shaun of the Dead being like this infinitely rewatchable film you definitely can't watch midsummer too many times no. like i don't think i was quite ready to watch it again <laughs> like um i think i've only seen it three or four times yeah yeah and like i think um you watch the extended version as well no right. no i didn't i've only seen the extended version once i decided mm-hmm. not to see the extended version i felt i felt like there was only really one scene that added value to the film with the there extended is, version um so so yeah i i didn't but yeah i you know i i still absolutely love the film but i think kind of we were speaking um recently about that and us and kind of having rewatched this again like i really want to rewatch us um but it definitely kind of reminds me why we put us where it where we did mm. um but but it's the, i mean they're they're two just like i said you know we, we've just discussed one with edgar Wright. like midsummer is just this spectacle of everything being perfect from the mm. actors to the, to the sound, to the way that goddamn movie looks. Um, it gives me a very different feeling when I'm watching it, mostly that I want to vomit, but, <laughs> um, but that's also sometimes a feeling that you want if you're a horror fan listening to a horror podcast. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to feel really happy and, and good about things, even though the movie's quite dark, watch Soho. And if you want to just feel like you want to vomit and maybe bring a sick bag with you, then watch Midsummer. Yeah, that's one of the few movies that we've covered for the show that I'm convinced will be an instant classic. That there isn't yeah. there isn't yeah, even yeah. any hesitation where I'm like, I know in thirty years people will still talk about Midsummer. Yeah, um because it's only going to get better with time. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much it for this week. Next week we have more cinema horror to look forward to. Yes, we do. The joys keep on coming. We did have the uh, the double release this past weekend, um, so it is frustrating when that happens. But it's, it's fine because mm. we'll get to it next week. Um, so we'll be finally getting to see Antlers, um, which is it. Mu- that must be the last kind of cinema horror <laughs> that was like heavily delayed, right? Like unless I'm forgetting Damn something. It, I said it this week again that it was so. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> We've said it over the last like five episodes, I think. Um, yeah. Well, technically. 
Halloween yeah. ends should have come out this Halloween. So well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> until we Don't get to that, that. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone. You take that back. You take that back. Listen, right. psycho gore man. All right. Thank That's going to be the last thing um, I mentioned on this show. But I am, where are your hype levels for antlers? Because my hype levels are pretty goddamn high. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I, I don't have massive expectations for it, but it was one of the movies that had a cool trailer. I can I can mm. remember almost nothing about it, which is great. Um, and I just remember wanting to see it. So, yeah, it's kind of I'm not like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this movie. But, yeah, I I I'm looking forward to it for sure. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like visually it's going to be really, really strong in the horror. Mm. and and i and i feel like it's going to be right up my alley like I yeah don't we know, haven't I just, seen any much about it many movies like that this year we've mm. seen some but yeah when you when you talk about that kind of you know we'll obviously del toro attached to it with yeah. you know, producing it like that the, just that distinct visual horror style is yeah it looks fantastic even from the posters and stuff so i hope that's consistent with the movie um which i'm sure it will be but yeah very much looking forward to that next week like i say the cinema horror you know we got resident evil in a few weeks like i yeah, cannot boy. wait for that as well um best worst movie of the year i know i can't wait um but yeah that was episode 272 where we talked about the absolutely perfect last night in soho uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone Cause I never could, and how could I start now?